This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we're back, folks, for another edition of the Michigan Basketball Insider. Always a pleasure to be joined by one of the best to ever do it here in the state of Michigan. One of the all-time greats out of Clarkston and went on to be a standout at the University of Michigan before playing in the NBA for a number of years and then going on to a broadcast career after that. Uh, and now doing that very strong and then also working with the NBA Players Association uh, with its Top 100 camp. I'm talking about my good friend, Tim McCormick. Tim, another week. And while I know we're going to get heavy into basketball, because Michigan basketball, because that's what we do, I obviously got to get your take. I mean, you're a Michigan guy, a state of Michigan guy, and we just watch Michigan take a L to Michigan State, man. I hate to have to start out that way, but that's where we are. Oh. My, my wife said on Sunday, she said, why do you look so grumpy? You're just, you're just not yourself. And I said, but there's a pandemic and this election. I'm tired of it already. And Michigan, Michigan State made me really sad. And look, I, I can't offer any deep analysis that, that you haven't already heard. I, I'm a basic football fan. I focus on big picture stuff. But I, I don't know what the A gap is. I don't know what a pin and pull is. I'm not sure about a counter trap. But I, I do know that that game was really damaging. And one of the things that I watch is emotion and body language. Um, and, and, and I'm also big on adjustments. Mm-hmm. And when I, when I see an opponent is doing something, I know you've got to change if it's working. And I always remember as a kid, my dad would say to me, son, don't worry. Bo Beckler makes great adjustments at halftime. I'll never forget him saying that. And so here's what I saw. I didn't see any adjustments as the game progressed. And my football career ended in sixth grade. Okay. (laughs) I was a defensive end and I was a tight end. And I remember like it was yesterday, my coach always saying the first guy off the line on the snap wins. And, and I didn't see him getting any push at all. Michigan state was quicker and they were off first. And also this is the biggest thing to me. Um, there were three or four really big plays, you know, in every game there, there's, there's a couple things that happen where you just, you jump off the couch, you hug your wife or whatever. I remember Haskins broke a big play, a big key run, um, in the second half, nobody did anything mm-hmm. like, like nobody jumped on him right. and patted him on the back. That that's a play for a celebration. Joe Milton did the same thing. He broke one up the right sideline. Um, somebody took a real hit. Uh, maybe it was Roman Wilson um, where he got started. Somebody got hit across the middle and hung onto the ball. Yeah. Nobody was there to pump them up. No enthusiasm. And the other problem I had is they had great chemistry. And they, I love the way that they played. They had a fun sideline. And the problem with that is there were tens of thousands of Michigan State fans around Oakland County and Wayne County and throughout the state, they had given up already on this team. Yep. They're all back on board. Yep. And and I know Donovan Edwards was watching and and Ray Sean Benny and and they're saying the exact same thing. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, we were gonna talk about basketball, right? Hey man, so. you're you're what you're offering is the way that most Michigan fans are feeling uh, right now. And you talk I, I remember watching that big catch that Giles Jackson made took the hit yes, and held Jackson. on and held on to the football and I remember thinking man somebody go pick him up right you know somebody yeah. go yeah I remember thinking that too uh you know now the key is and and Tim I'm sure you've been on the losing end of of some tough tough games how you how you put that how you flush it and and move on so it doesn't beat you twice because it was a gut wrenching defeat. I, I I told I've been saying that to me, it's up there with App State as far as upset upsets that I've seen Michigan suffer since I've been covering the team. So no 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 stop. I I was at the App State game. I was at 
the Colorado game. No, I brushed that off by saying, oh, Big Ten's here. It's okay. We'll be okay. Not losing to Michigan State in your building. That that was the worst game. That was the most painful game. And I tell you what, I'm not sure what it was, but from the opening kickoff, it was the most excruciating game to watch because I just I wasn't seeing Michigan as a better team. And I thought, we're not going to win this game. Now, the good news is that when I went through the schedule, I, I marked down wins and losses on each game. I had Michigan getting beat by Indiana. So if we can go to Bloomington and win that game, then we're two and one. And that's kind of where I thought we'd be anyway. So I can I can I can live with that. But it's gotta be high energy. Well, and it's gotta be you talk about adjustments. Look, Indiana and granted, you gotta make adjustments on both sides of the ball, but I just feel like offensively, uh, the the it's about it's gonna be about repetition. It's gonna be about consistency. I mean, they they left a lot of plays on the football field. Defensively, I think it's all about adjustments because I, I look at Indiana's offense. Indiana has a better offense than Michigan State. They have better receivers. They have a better quarterback. And if, yeah. If yep. Michigan yep. isn't ready to to contend with those receivers in a different way, if the referees are are calling it tight like they did in the last game, it's gonna be a very very long day, Mister McCormick. Yep. But look, hey man, you bring. We're bringing the folks down talking all this football right now. <laughs> it was it was a very positive lead into the weekend what we heard out of the out of the Michigan basketball program because they got some great news that you predicted. I you know I feel like as we go through this podcast and we reflect upon past shows that it's important to to kind of remind people of things that maybe you said or predicted, Tim. And when Shondi Brown commit or you know committed or transferred to Michigan, you said he's going to get his his waiver. He said, look, it, it, the NCAA is going to be very lenient with these waivers. It's going to happen. You were very very firm on that. And Tim, you were proven true yet again, proven right yet again. And Shondi Brown has his waiver. He's going to make a huge difference. Uh, Michigan fans will love him because he's big and he's physical and he's tough. You know, when you were a little kid and you kind of wrestled around with your dad and he just knocked you down and just was, you just thought, wow, that guy is strong. That's the kind of strength that, that you're going to see from Shondi Brown. And the other thing that's great is Juwan Howard has built already a magnificent culture of team and togetherness. And I never saw that from Wake Forest. Danny Manning allowed his assistant coaches to do a lot of the, the heavy lifting. Um, Shondi Brown is going to embrace being part of a team. I think that that there's a good chance that he's going to play this year and he's going to play next year too. Let's talk about for a moment, Tim, what he brings to the table based on watching his game. Because one of the things is I look at the difference between last year's team and this year's team. You see the, I mean, a glaring hole left by Xavier Simpson. And not just from a, a leadership and grit standpoint, but Getting to the rim, a guy who can get downhill and get to the rim on a on a game in game out basis. Now I'm looking for that element to be something that Franz brings more to the table, but it's not a proven commodity for him yet, Tim. A, a proven skill, game in and game out that he does. Shondi Brown to me gives them that. He gives them that downhill rim attacker. That when you look elsewhere on the roster, you see some guys that. Maybe could bring some more of that to their game, but but certainly not to the level that Sean D. Brown has already proven he can bring. So I, I like playing the comparison game. And let me start off by saying that Sean D. Brown is not this guy, but he does a lot of the same things at a little bit lower level. But I always loved Mitch Richmond. They called him Rock. He, he, was, he was known <laughs> for physicality. He could drive in, put his body on you and create space. He was no nonsense. Mitch Richmond was a better deep shooter, even though Shondi Brown can shoot it. But I, I think that, that he's going to have a chance to, to be on one of the all Big Ten teams. And, and I, I'm a little bit reluctant because, you know, he hasn't played a minute for Michigan basketball. But I, I think that on the wing with Franz Wagner and Shondi Brown, that is a fantastic duo. And they will make each other better because every, every college basketball team – if, if they're fortunate, they have one wing stopper, a guy that's a really reliable defender, and you take him and you put him on the opponent's best two or three. Well, 
With Michigan, you can't do that because that's going to set up the other guy to go off. Mm, mm, mm. Mitch Richmond taking me back. So one of the things that you, I mean, you talk about what a great offensive player Mitch Richmond was. You know, you think about Michael Jordan and the the tough, the the guys who played the toughest defense. Of course, we think Joe Dumars if here in the state of Michigan, right? Us bad boys fans, but you know, while MJ would talk about Joe Dumars, he would also talk about Mitch Richmond, Tim, as a guy who, as a defender. You talk about just an all-around ball player. <laughs> that was Mitch Richmond. I know you aren't saying Shondi Brown is going to be Mitch Richmond, but I love and and remember when when you promote this, don't say Tim says that he's <laughs> Mitch Rich. Don't do that. I'm not saying that. I'm saying right. he's got a Mitch Richmond like approach. Right. I hear you. Well, he's. I tell you one thing that we can say from a physique standpoint. This is a grown man. I mean, he has an NBA body right now. He may not be an NBA player right now. But he has an NBA body, and that that really adds a a significant element to Michigan. Again, a proven score, getting downhill, getting to the basket. You guys will remember we had Randolph Childress on, and, and Randolph said that as a shooter, he's a better shooter than he's given credit for. That we're going to see that. So I hope that that's the that's the case. So now, Tim, as you look at this roster with Mike Smith on it and Shondi Brown on it, and hopefully an improved Franz Wagner. We're going to be talking a little bit later on in the show uh, to Jay Smith about how this team is looking in practice. But as you kind of assess it, Tim, knowing basketball like you do and looking at all the players, who's the best guy on this team now at this point? Uh, Well, okay, so Michigan's best player this year is going to be Franz Wagner. I agree. I I think he is destined for stardom. He's grown. He's almost six foot ten. Okay, think about that. And he's got a chance to start this year at the two. His driving game will improve with added strength. His wrist is healed, so he's had a chance to get up a lot of shots. So a lot of those errant threes that we saw last year when he was coming back, he's going to knock those down. I think he's got a chance to be a lottery pick. And and when you think about how much I love I, Isaiah Livers' game. Um, I think that that Franz will take even a farther step ahead and be Michigan's best player. What what about you, Sam? Yeah, what do I'm, you think? I'm right there with you. I, I am right there with you without hesitation. I think that Franz Wagner is set to take his game to a completely different level. And we saw shades of it last year. And you know, I felt like people's people felt like we embellished his skill set a, a, a bit embellish what he is as a shooter a bit without really giving adequate uh, attention to or focus to the fact that he was set back. You you had the the wrist injury and even after working working your way back from that, Tim. I mean there's there's a timing of it to it, there's a physical grind to it. I mean he was a freshman feeling his way out, having to play both ends of the floor which he's willing to do, but it's a it's an adjustment all of those things and by the end of the year you felt good about a couple of things. Number one, I love Franz Wagner's mentality, Tim. I mean, you. This is a guy that embraces embraces that side of it. The you know the the edginess. The a lot of the things that you saw from from Mo when Mo was here, you see those same things mentality wise, and and what they lost in in X. You see some of those things in Franz. So seeing that challenge and taking it on, you know that's going to be the case. And then physically. Physically, he's going to be bigger and stronger. And you made this this observation last year, and it was a good one. For him to be as wiry as he was last year, Tim, to be the kind of rebounder that he was, it told you some, some more about his mentality, his willingness to go in there and, and bang, and something about his anticipation too. But now put put 15 pounds of muscle on him and mm-hmm. and apply that same mentality to it. I think it helps him as a driver. It helps him as a, as a rebounder. It helps him as a defender. I think you're exactly right. We are going to see a Franz Wagner that is on a much different, a much higher level this year. Yeah, plus he was learning a brand new system from a coach that had never coached in college. And maybe the biggest thing, can you imagine growing up in Germany and now all of a sudden you you, tran- you transport across the country, across the world, and you're getting used to new food, a new culture. You're trying to take college courses. He is going to take a huge step, a massive step this year. Yeah, man. It's it's going to be exciting to see. And you know, 
as the the pandemic hit and, and guys had to find different places and ways to work out. Who did Franz go with? He went with he went with an NBA guy, Tim. He went to work out with Mo Wagner. He went to work out with Big Bro, a pro man. That that's just that's different level stuff, man. That I think is gonna have him uniquely prepared. You know, a lot of people wonder about the 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 challenge for for sophomores. Can they can they meet it? Can they step up step up to the challenge? Not that everyone knows who they are, and Franz Wagner is gonna be the top of the scout for the opposing team. Is he gonna be ready for that action. And I, I just think he is now. True or false. Franz Wagner will be the best player in his family someday. I think that's true. I do too. I I think that's true. I I just think his, his versatility, what he is a a wing that could put it on that you, we will see, I think be able to put it on the floor this year is going to be great for him because they're going to put him in ball screen situations. I mean, it's his game is is going to get rounded out. And I just think what he'll be on the basketball floor is, is just going to be uh, – there's going to be more versatility with him than his brother. That doesn't mean his brother doesn't have a chance to be a really good player in his own right. But you – I mean, comparing the two, who do I think has the higher ceiling? I think it's Franz. So we'll see how that works out. But, Tim, you know how it goes. You can't have a one-man team. So uh, as you look at this squad and you look at all the things that we hope that they do well this coming season – you know, let's well before we get to that, let's let's talk about big man because we talked about this before, as as you were projecting how the you know the big man dynamic was going to play out for Michigan. Uh, who will Michigan's top big man be? And I think you predicted this already. I'd be surprised if you veered from it. Yeah, I um I think Hunter Dickinson will start, but Austin Davis will be Michigan's top center. Oh, he's okay. stronger. His okay. shoulder is 100%. I think that I would imagine, and we talked to Hunter Dickinson last podcast, I would imagine he is in awe of how strong and how advanced and how good Austin Davis is. And I remember as a freshman, I was in a similar situation. As a freshman, senior center Paul Hireman, he was stronger and smarter and more experienced. He taught me how to play in the Big Ten. So even if you see Hunter Dickinson start the game, because as a freshman, it helps your your confidence. You're already warm. I think that Austin Davis, who showed that he's very good at coming off the bench against an opponent's backup center or a center that might be in foul trouble, I think Austin Davis is going to have a memorable season. I would go as far to say as Michigan next year with Hunter and Austin will be better in the center position than they were last year. Wow. Okay. So what does that look like minutes wise, Tim? Because I think one of the things with with Austin, I mean, he was so productive for the number of minutes that he played last year was like 12, 15 or so, uh, you know, on probably certainly once he started making an impact on the lineup. So what does the minutes load look like for, for Austin this year? Uh, as far as him being able to maintain that same or even produce a higher level of production this year? If it was my choice, I'd give them both 18 minutes, and whoever's getting the best work done gets the last four. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. Shall be interesting to see how that works out. So with that in the equation now, as you sort of assess the strengths of this team, what would you say the number one, the top thing they do? What would be their biggest strength? This season. Interesting. Interesting. Um, there's a lot of strengths, and I think that Michigan will be much better than some of the prognosticators think. Uh, Michigan's best attribute is their depth and balance. And I want to go through the positions. Um, when you think about the point guard position, which I think is the most important, Mike Smith, Eli Brooks, and Zeb Jackson are all combo guards. They can play the one or the two. They could play together. And, and so I think practices will be very, very intense. Um, when you look at the wing, Franz and Shondi Brown are, are best at the two and the three. I don't know which one you want to call a shooting guard and which one a small forward. It doesn't matter. They both have great length and size and experience. Um, and, and it wouldn't surprise me at all if you see Wagner and Brown average close to 30 points combined. And then the thing that makes them so good is that the power forward, I think it might be the best combo in the Big Ten with Isaiah Livers and Brandon Johns. If one of those guys, if Wagner or Brown are out, 
You could easily slide Isaiah Livers over to the three and play Brandon Johns. Both are really versatile, and I would call them multi-positional. And then when you go to the bench, there's there's just no drop-off. And I just talked about the five. I, I think that the five is going to be a real strength as well. And then off the bench, if if there are injuries or foul troubles, I do think that Terrence Williams and Adrian Nunez would be the two guys that you look to. Mm, yeah, a lot of a lot of size, Tim. A lot of length on this team when you consider the wings that they have. I know, you know, you, you talk about the addition of, of Mike Smith not being the 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 biggest guy, but you, man, after him, you look at all the length they could put on the court. Uh, I feel like they're going to be one of the bigger teams in the league. You think? Well, forget the league. How about the nation? Th- think about the the starting lineup you could put out there. I don't I don't know if Eli Brooks will start. I think he'll probably come off the bench because of his versatility. But if you start Eli Brooks, Shondi Brown, Franz Wagner, Isaiah Livers, and Hunter Dickinson, that starting lineup averages six foot seven, two hundred and eleven pounds. And to put that in perspective, that's two inches taller than the Houston Rockets, six foot five, when they played the Lakers in the playoffs this year. So Michigan will have great size. And the big question that you have to ask is, if you don't take advantage of that size by going inside, by using your length on defense, how is Michigan going to do against those smaller teams that play dual point guards? Yeah. Yeah. I always wonder how that, how that back and forth will, will go. Can the team with size sort of impose its will or will it be the team with with quickness that sort of dictates with the with the quickness dictate the you know the outcome of the matchup so uh, you know I, obviously uh, Michigan uh, a lot of athleticism uh, as well because you got a a healthy Isaiah Livers in there I think you're going to see Franz show increased bounce and we know what kind of athlete Shondi Brown is uh, it's going to be really really exciting to see and you know to get a glimpse to get a feel for how things are looking in practice, everything we're doing right now is projection. But how about the, the word, sort of the the impression, the perception of a guy who's there every day? And, Tim, uh, the opportunity to talk to uh, a guy I know you've known for a very, very long time and a guy that Jawan has known for a very long time, which is one of the reasons why he tabbed him to come here on the staff, and that's talking about Michigan Director of Player Development, Jay Smith. Jay Smith is 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 a guy that will go down as one of the the most impactful coaches that Michigan has had because he was right there recruiting the Fab Five. He was there developing them. He was their big man coach at that point. So you know Chris Weber and Jawan Howard swear by him. Love Jay Smith. He's got great insight. And Sam, I want to mark this down. I want to have him on again very, very soon, as soon as the season starts. Okay, yeah, absolutely. Well, first things first, though, let's have him on the first time. So we'll pause for the cause, take a brief break, and then when we come back on the other side, we will talk to Michigan Director of Player Development, Jay Smith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount+, Plus to try it free. Terms apply. And we are back here on the Michigan Basketball Insider with a great guest and a first time on the podcast to really give us some insight and perspective on the program after its first year heading into year two with some great announcements here recently, including Shondi Brown is Michigan's Director of Player Personnel and Development, Jay Smith. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thank you, Sam. I've listened to you, like I said, for years. So it's it's great to be on with you and Tim. And I feel honored, that's for sure. I, it's my pleasure. Trust me. 
So, Jay, I am I, um, I'm really excited to talk some Michigan hoops. I'm tired of talking about pandemics and transfers <laughs> and name image likeness. Um, so let's go back in time. It was March 8th. You guys lost at Maryland. Then March 12th, Big Ten tournament. Rutgers, the game gets canceled and our sports world blew up and we've been locked down and quarantined and it's been seven months plus. What is it like for a Michigan basketball player? What's it like for a coach? over the, the, these last months? Oh, wow. It's like, it's like most, the uncertainty piece, as you both can understand, is, is so up in the air. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. Uh, we've obviously become Zoom alcoholics, I guess. Is that what you call them? I mean, Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting. I mean, we're, we've become absolutely inundated and staying in touch with our players and that. It's just the uncertainty of, of knowing and not knowing. And then when are we going to start? Who's going to be with us? Testing. Uh, swab testing, antigen testing. When's the schedule going to come out? I mean, there's just a lot of moving pieces all at once. So it's been a, a whirlwind. Can, but can I say this? I think it trickles from the top with Jawan. Like, there's a settling. Like, we just, you know, stay the course. There's a process involved. Follow directions. Follow the guidelines. And uh, good things happen. And we've been fortunate to be, you know, in a pretty good position right now. But uh, it's been, it's. It's just the uncertainty. And, you know, we're in a world where it's instant information. So social media is evident and things are moving quickly. But, uh, you know, our kids have done a good job of just towing the line and, and just been really good with it. Are they frustrated at times? Absolutely. Because it's not normal what we've gone through right now. But uh, hopefully we come out at big, bigger and better. So, Jay, you're the, the director of player personnel and development for Michigan basketball. So. Uh, what exactly are you working on with the players? There's not game prep right now. You don't even have a schedule or no opponents. What are the skill sets that, that you guys are really focusing on and how are practices different now? Oh, that's a great question. You know, especially during the, during the uh, pandemic era, when we were going through the midst of it, we did a lot of Zoom meetings. We had Brian Townsend on. We talked a lot about team and culture and values and leadership. So we tried to lay I think Juan done a great job of laying a foundation down. Like every Friday we had calls for an hour, hour and a half. And they were really good calls because they really got to the guts of our team before we even could hit the floor. So that part was good. We had some, we had some financial guy come on and talk about how to manage money. We did a, you know, we did a calm app and try to get our guys, you know, to be able to meditate and do some things like that. So those, those were the things that we were working on time management and, you know, staying safe, like, you know, you were a college kid, Sam, you know, like you, <laughs> you want to run around, you want to be on the Michigan campus. <laughs> yeah. And I heard your podcast with Hunter, you know, I mean, it's just, it's one where you got to have some real self-discipline and, and a real focus and know that, you know, some careers are at stake and we're trying to get to the court. So that was, that was a big part of it. But besides that, I mean, the coaches, Martelli and Sadi and Howard have done a great job of staying in touch with our players and then doing the individual workouts with them in small groups with masks on. So they were the only ones allowed in the court at that time in small groups of four and six players, and they got bumped into eight players. And I think Juwan's just done a marvelous job of pacing our team. I talked to one coach, Tim and Sam, that they've been going hard for 17 weeks. And he said, I think our guys are dying. Like they're, they're burnt out with it. And I'm like, man, Juan's done a great job at just slowly bringing us along at a nice pace and hopefully peaking at the right time when we start in November. So, Jay, I, I got a, a kind of a, a head coaching perspective question because it, it obviously was a it's a great resource for Juwan to have you and Phil as former head coaches on his staff to lean on. But having been there before, I'm curious when you look at Juwan in year one, what did you see? watching him kind of grow into the job in year one, where did he grow the most? Where did, where did you see him? What, what was maybe the biggest change, the, the biggest difference from maybe last year at this time to this year at this time, as far as Jawan as a head basketball coach? Well, Sam, as you know, there's some, there's some nuances when you go from the NBA to college. There is from shot clock to officiating to, you know, there's just a lot of things. There's just a lot of little things. That I think, you know, Phil has done a great job of helping Jawan through as far as the nuances and those types of things. But I think as, as anything, the more you get accustomed to it, the more comfortable you get. I think Jawan's just a lot more comfortable. Uh, you know, we brought in, what, about six new players that are kind of now they're, you know, guys that he had started from the grassroots recruiting wise. 
I think he's more tied. You know, he tried to do, I'm skipping a little bit, but he tried to do last year. Like he tried to get connected early with our players. I think that was number one. Like, you know, it's about relationships. It's, you know, 80% relationships and about 20% X and Owen. I mean, it's, it's important that you're connected because you're going to be tested in the big 10, especially on the road. Like you're going to be tested and you're going to be tested often and that, you know, you got to know who's in the foxholes with you. When, when it really starts to get rough. And I think Juan has figured that out. He knows. And the culture he has done, that's what I'm amazed. Like, he is really, like, he's so transparent, so honest. And he he, he practices what he preaches. And that's, you know, he's all in. Like, he is full bore ahead. You know, I was running the other day. I get up Saturday morning really and run, like, at 6.15. And I come back. It's about 7 o'clock. <laughs> he's already in here in the morning, like, for a nine o'clock break, already grinding on stuff. Like he's, he's just, he's so into it, which is, you know, he's just, he's all in Sam. I'm just uh, like, he is full board trying to, you know, try to lead Michigan, you know, to in the process of, of obviously trying to be successful each and every day. He, he is always about 1% getting better. And he's always about growth mindset. Those are two things that I think that he has brought to this program every day that I think the players really enjoy. Hey Jay, the um, the follow up has to be about the fact that you were an assistant coach under Steve Fisher. You helped recruit the Fab Five. You coached the Fab Five. Um, what was it like coaching Juwan and Chris and Jalen? How, you know, how would you dial those guys up to have the most intense practices? And can, can you share some anecdotes about that? Wow, I mean that was uh, that was groundbreaking for me. It was. Didn't know it right when we, when I was going through it. I didn't understand it. I mean, I just kept working. I was young, and I just was. And I worked with the post guys, so Jawan and Chris and Eric Riley, Chip Armour and Chris Setter. Those guys were guys at my end. I didn't get a lot of chances to go one on one stuff with Jimmy and Ray and and Jalen a lot. But with Jawan, if we wanted to dial up practice, guys, is all we have to do is put Jawan against Chris. Because now you've got two major, two major Mount Rushmore egos going at each other. You know, oh hell, and neither one's going to back down now. Like it, it was going to be flesh on flesh. There's going to be some. We're gonna, we're going to have to break some things up. I mean, it was literally it would it would get it going. Like man, and and, and it was good because it brought out obviously a a portion they would get uncomfortable going against each other, and and then you know you tab a little of Jalen's trash talking in there with Jimmy's like, it was, it was game on. So those, those were special times. Like it was, um, and they worked like when they came, you didn't have to worry about competing now. That was not, you know, it was all the other talking and stuff, what they're going to wear, those types of things. But when it came to that time to go, those guys, those, those guys could go. Like they went, like it was intense practice. Our defenses were great. We always, we were always in the top two or three with, you know, defensive field goal percentage and defensive rebounding, which were two key stats for us. Huge. As you Great, look, go, go ahead, uh, Tim. I was just yeah, uh, resetting, sorry. resetting. We got Jay Smith here on the Michigan Basketball Insider Podcast. And uh, a two back-to-back, and I'm sure you're going to touch on this at some point, back-to-back <laughs> retro Mr. Basketballs in the state of Michigan, <laughs> Tim and Jay Smith. <laughs> uh, you know, the funny thing about that is people don't realize that, that Jay is still the number one all-time score in the state of Michigan 15 points as a freshman 29 as a sophomore 36 and 37 as a junior and a senior and then went to to to, to Bowling Green and then Saginaw Valley how, how are things different nowadays than than back in 1979 wow uh, well 40 I think, years I, I think I was the only one living from 79 so Sam they had to give me the retro <laughs> thing all right I mean that's how old it gets uh, and the other record I hold, I, I never had assist in four years, so that you can add that to the total. All right, I hold two state records then. But uh, oh, what is that? I mean, back then, can I say it's like growing up in a small town in Mayo? Um, we, you know, you live with the people. Like when somebody passed away, you bring food to the house. It had old, old-fashioned values, you can say, but with a maybe, you know, with a with a good spirit. The town had such a good spirit. And number one thing back then, guys, was winning. Like we had like it was about winning and pride, your school. That was to wear the colors. And that's what 
we played for. And I had literally had guys cuss me out at halftime because I didn't shoot enough. And that's after I've already put up about 25 shots in the first half. Like, <laughs> dudes, like seriously. And and the parental thing, the town was about winning. They didn't care who scored the points or who, who was going to be all state. And I was fortunate in my four years of RC, I lost nine games. And it was a credit to the guys I grew up with, our teammates. And I still say to this day, like, if it wasn't for them, that, that would have never happened because, you know, people are more interested in, you know, being all state than winning the state title. And I just, you know, not, not all cases. I don't want to lump everybody into one. But back then it was about pride and about school. And you played for your school. You were in classes and, you know, you hung out with your buddies. It wasn't about anybody transferring or finding a better situation. It was like, hey, this is where I was born and raised. This is where I'm playing. This, <laughs> you know, times have changed. And I understand that times have changed and things have changed, obviously. So, yeah, but that was uh, those those were some fun times. Hey, Sam, can you imagine if Jay scored 35? <laughs> it was an off game. He'd have, to, he'd have to bounce back after that. Hey, Jay, you know, when um, when when we look at the upcoming season, we're really excited about the depth that this team has, and we're dying to see Sean D. Brown and Mike Smith. Can you give us a little scouting report on what we can expect to see from those two? Well, those two have really come in and bought into Jawan and the team. And I'm going to say this, the team has done a great job of embracing them from day one. They, uh, our guys, the culture that Juwan has developed is just, you know, it's, it's about loving each other and helping each other out. And they've come in and absolutely embraced the work ethic. Um, Mike, Mike Smith comes in. I know everybody has seen X. Very similar to X with the ball, shifting that, but he's got a stroke. And X struggled with that, even though he's a tremendous player. You know, he, 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 the percentage didn't always waver in X's thought. I'm not saying X can't shoot. Please, X, don't call me up and say you can't shoot. <laughs> All right. But, uh, you know, Mike averaged 20, 23 or so at, at, at Yale and or at Columbia. And, you know, that's, you know, he, he hit some big time shots. So we've gone back and watched him against Stoic Forest and the Virginias and stuff. So he's, he's really made some good plays. And now, and I think he had to do a lot because of the players he's playing with. Now he has more weapons. And I think he's starting to expand his game more and find guys on the perimeter or dropping it into the post after a drive. Like he's got some weapons and I think he's really feeling that out. He's very charismatic. You guys are going to love him. I mean, he's really, he, he, he's just a really good, good person. And Sean D is just, uh, he's coming here and at the last, you know, portion i mean i think he read a lot on his mind with this transfer thing and being eligible but when it got cleared it's like the show it's been lifted off his shoulders he's strong he's physical he's got a great stroke um but you know he's he's he can be a little bit you know i'm not so sure you can't post him a little he's strong Mm -hmm. but he's and he can play in the perimeter and slash and bounce it like a really good stroke and and his experiences, him and Mike, I mean, they bring a wealth of experience. Two transfer guys that have been successful, average double digits, you know, in the Ivy League and the ACC. That's those are those are two. Those are, I mean, it's hard to replace experience, and that's that's hard to do. And I think we found two guys that can really help us. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a, a great segue. You mentioned uh, X and what you what you get in in Sean D giving you some of the slashing that you lost with X and uh, some of the shiftiness with the ball with with Mike Smith with some additional stroke, but. I'm curious the 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 intangible quality of Xavier Simpson. X was a dog. He was going to will oh. the team. He was going to hold guys accountable. He was going to be the edge when you needed it. And I'm curious who who brings that. The guy that I point to from the outside looking in, I think I think it's Franz. And I, I'm curious if do you see that in him bringing some of that edge even as a sophomore to this team? And what if anything do you see different in him heading into this year? That's a great question. First of all, X was an alpha pit bull. All right. He wasn't just a dog. He was an alpha pit <laughs> dog. Like he was talk about a guy that works out. Oh my goodness. Like, wow. You know, a lot of people say, oh, this guy works out all the time. X was like off the chart six in the morning. I'm in here jogging. He's in here. We're like, golly X man. But back to uh, like Franz. Yeah. There's a, there's an edge to Franz right now. I think, you know, he came in and, at the last minute, a little bit last summer and kind of jumped right into things. He's so much more comfortable now. Like he's bouncing it. And, and I've seen his fire, like his fire in practice. If you try to cheat him on a point or he got filed, like he, he's coming, like he's bringing it. Like he is, he's got a real fire in his belly. Um, where I thought a little bit last year, Sam, he was a little bit, maybe not timid, but just a little bit more reserved. 
because of X. Mm-hmm. He, I think he stepped up. I think Zay has shown leadership qualities in practice where he's been, you know, on it. And another one that's done a good job is Eli Brooks. He's done a really good job of, of bringing some of that, you know, pit bull attitude to the table. He really has. And Eli doesn't do it as, as vocally as X does it, but I think he does it in the way he plays and his actions and the way he talks to his teammates. Yeah. Yeah. You, you got some talented freshmen coming in, but you've been around the game long enough though that different guys progress at different rates. So uh, I'm curious, you know, it, are, are there guys that project in the mix to, to maybe be ready earlier in the equation? What have you seen from your freshmen so far? Wow, they got some talented guys in front of them. I know that. And they're working their tails off. They've done a great job. Can I say this both in the classroom and on the court? They've done an outstanding job. Juan has taken Hunter under his wings and really, is, you know, I think Hunter's learned probably more than he ever has in his career as far as the nuances. And Tim, you know how it is when you're going against, you know, fifth year men like Austin Davis and Jaron Falls every day. You're getting banged. It's, it's, it's a whole different, you know, it's a whole different landscape. And I think Hunter's done a good job. He's slowly catching on to it. I think, he, like we say, he's getting 1% better each practice. I think that's important. Uh, Terrence Williams, like, man, like he talk about guys. He's going to find his way on the court. He's going to find his way because he shoots it. And he's, a, he's, got some, he's got some toughness. He's got a competitive fire in him. I mean, that, that he's going to find his way. Some, some way he's going to find it on the court. Because every time you look, it's him making a shot or him hitting a rebound or he's getting something done. And then Zeb, Zeb is just, and I think I heard somebody say, and Hunter said this, like he's slithery and he's getting, it's like a six foot four, six foot five point guard now with quickness and mm-hmm. speed. And I think that's, that's the hardest position I think as an incoming player is to play the point guard because of all the different, plays and direction not only you got to worry about you you got to worry about those other four guys getting the right spots at the right time and timing so he's i think he's slowly adjusted to that and same with jace howard jace has come in and provides mm. talk talk about a guy that provides energy and effort i mean the, the guy like he'll take on franz he don't care who it is it reminds me of Juan, like bring it just bring it i'm good let's go let's lock horns and see where it ends up and i think he continues with that attitude he's he's gonna be really successful so, Jay, um, th- this has been so insightful, and we, we want to have you back. Um, if, if you keep delivering, man, we'll, we'll, we'll have you on every week. Um, but, but, you know, I, I know our fans are dying for some college basketball. November 25th, I believe, is the date. Um, we don't have a schedule yet. I'm sure that the Big Ten is sitting back watching. Um, do you have any insight on what a season may look like, number of games, all Big Ten, not all Big I, I don't know if there's anything you can share, but we're dying to know. Not, not a lot, Tim. I mean, it's still in the works. It's still, you know, I know they're jockeying around a number of games and trying to figure out, like, like I don't know if you heard just the Wisconsin. Now they're sitting another game out. What happens if we could hit? You know, is there enough room to squeeze another game in later in the season if somebody comes down with COVID? So I think they're trying to – a lot of moving pieces with it. And they're trying to make sure that they've got enough room that we can, you know, get the minimal 25 games in and, you know, be successful with that i think they're you know guys bigger than me higher up than me are figuring those plans out and then you know you're trying to you know jockey tv contracts and all those types of things and how you're going to travel and go play and you know we all seen the nba in the bubble where they just went one place and play but that's not going to happen in college people are going to be moving around a lot of moving pieces so i think they're trying to get protocols and those things in order before they just say hey here's a schedule figured out on your own so i think there's a lot of pieces there for everybody all right, my grand finale question is a is a two parter, and the two parts aren't even connected, Jay. So, so here here's here it goes. The I hope this is too tough. <laughs> yeah. All right, so so on the recruiting side, you can't talk specific recruits, but just philosophically, you know, watching Jawan operate in his first year, and you know, putting together an outstanding class, and you, I mean, a lot of people just focused on on some of the misses, like you know, some of the five star misses, and Jawan said. Look, I'm not. I'm gonna keep swinging. You know, I'm gonna. I'm gonna keep fighting for for those guys. I'm gonna. I like to love the guys we have, but I'm not gonna stop recruiting top talent just because we missed on a few guys. I it, it really, really to me struck me as a guy who who understands that you you gotta fight the big fish, and it's serving Michigan well. And I'm curious from your perspective, having recruited like that before, you know how you how you saw that. Were were you 
was that something that you were talking to him about along the way, or is that just him? And then the other piece is Jay Smith, 1979. Tim McCormick, <laughs> 1980. Did you guys did you guys ever match up in the late 70s? If if we had oh, a dude. if we had a, a a Tim versus Jay matchup, who comes out on top in that matchup? <laughs> okay, I'm gonna ask this. I'm gonna we're gonna go for the the second question first. First of all, I'm gonna shoot on the perimeter. T- Tim's gonna kill me inside. So there's no plus. I was under the impression you don't guard me and I won't guard you. So you can get whatever you can get. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I don't know. I'm not sure, but I think we both would have forty. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. The first time it'd be a tie. Right. Right. For sure. Oh, Tim had a great career, man. He could play. I remember coming to basketball camp and he was at camps and I was like, man, he's good. Like he was, Tim, you were a terrific player for sure. No doubt. He as well. Th- thanks so. so much, Jay. It was great, great catching up and, and we're, we're really excited for the season. Thank you very much. Well, 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 uh, real, real quick on the recruiting side, you got that, that recruiting question. What do you, what do you think? What do you think yeah, about that? You know that what? Actually, uh, it's more Joan. Joan's, you know, he has a, comp- I said this before, he's relentless. He has a competitive spirit. And just because you take, you know, a hit, it isn't fit, you know, it isn't fatal. Like you get back up. And that's the way Juwan's persona has always been, Sam. Like he is he is a guy that's gonna stand toe-to-toe with you. There's not gonna be a lot of, you know, song and dance with it. He's gonna stand toe-to-toe and let's go. And he wants to recruit. But the thing is, I mean Juwan is very sincere. What you see is what you get. There's no phoniness. There's no beating around the bush. This is how we play. Uh type of and, and this is how we develop our players. And we yeah, it's 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 Juwan's competitiveness. And then, and I say this too, it's, it's our coaching staff too. I mean, you've got years of experience. Howard Isley's played, Sadi's been around, Phil's been here, you know, been, been doing it for a long time. It's just, they're really good. They're really good at it. And they, they know what to do and there's no, you know, there's no smoke and mirrors. A lot of, a lot of teams are trying to sell things and cute things on Twitter and Facebook. Juwan's not about that. I mean, he's a reality, and this is what it is, and this is what we want, what we want to get you. And here's a guy who played in the league for 19 years, coached six years, been in the NBA for 25 years. Like, if there's a better guy, I want to see it. <laughs> he's been there. You know, he's been there, and it's going to – and sooner or later, you know, you're going to appeal to the right person. And um, I think a little bit of missing some would have been, like, he just got into it late. Uh-huh. Like, you, you know, you, you get into it late, you're trailing somebody that's already built a little bit of a lead. It's a little bit tough, but uh, that, that soon is changing. Trust me. They're doing a great job. Absolutely. Well, you did a great job, Jay. I, you know, Tim, the bar keeps getting raised, my man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, if anybody listens to this, you'll be happy. Trust me. No, you guys do a great job, though. I enjoy listening to you. Sam, I listen to you on the radio. You do a great job. It's always a pleasure. All right, thanks a lot, Jay. Appreciate your time, man. Take care. All right, buddy. Take care, guys. See ya. Thanks, Jay. Wow, Tim. A lot of great insight and perspective from a guy who has been a head coach himself and has really seen Jawan's development from a player to a coach. He's seen it from the ground floor because he was a part of developing him when he was at Michigan. Well, think about his his background. He um he was a, a high level scorer. Then he um he went into coaching and and really really was impactful with with Steve Fisher and, and, you know, he turned that Michigan opportunity into a head coaching job at Grand Valley. He was a head coach at central Michigan. He was a head coach at, at Kalamazoo college. So you know, he referenced in that interview, the impact that Phil Martelli has with all of his head coaching experience. Well, Jay deserves that credit right, right there as well. And I know that Juwan values his opinion. Why? Because when Juwan started here, the first day that he was on campus, it was Jay Smith that was working with him in the low post. Yeah, no doubt. Well, one of the questions that I posed to Jay, and I want to throw it at you now uh, to, to kind of get your take on it. I wanted to know what was the kind of the biggest difference that he saw from Juwan last year at this time to Juwan this year at this time to really get a, a feel for where he's seen the, the most Growth, understanding every first year coach is going to grow uh, dramatically, I imagine, in some regard. And he he offered up his his answer. But I'm curious, as you watch last year and now you look ahead to this year, what do you what's your outlook for Juwan's involvement in year two? How do you think he'll evolve this year? Well, I, I think that he could be Michigan's most improved player, so to speak. Um, he was exceptional in his first year as a college head coach. I think he'll be better on so many levels. He's a grinder, um, addicted to film study. Everybody knows that. 
he's committed to growth. And think about for somebody that loves to watch film, he's had eight months of being obsessed with studying Michigan's games over and over. I'm really confident he watched NBA playoff bubble game. Um, I expect Michigan's defense to be the biggest beneficiary, especially their pick and roll defense. And I, I do remember some tactical flaws of covering Cassius Winston versus state, right? Mm-hmm. We, we talked a we lot sure about that. Um, we talked about leaving John Teske to get torched one-on-one by Luca Garza. I, I think that, that Juwan probably watched that game and learned from it. Um, think about the, the, the pick and roll coverage against Wisconsin and Demetric Trice, right? Mm-hmm. That, that cost them a huge victory. Those mistakes were from a lack of experience as a head coach and a lack of familiarity with the Big Ten personnel. Michigan's defense will improve greatly because Juwan Howard will be so much more experienced and prepared. So what about on the offensive end of the floor, Tim? I mean, when you look at all of the different weapons that they have, what do you think what do you think about their offense this year? Will it be better than what we saw last year? Will it be about the same level of potency? What, what's your expectation there? Well, I, I want to be careful the way I say this because some people may take it the wrong way. First of all, they will be better. Um, when you look at Brooks and Johns and, and Austin Davis and Livers and Bogner, they're all a year older and stronger. Um, but the, the, the thing that, that I, I saw last year as a flaw was their predictability, especially at the point guard spot. And we all love Xavier Simpson, one of Michigan's all-time greats. He's tough. He's a winner. But he was not a shooter. And opponents knew that they could drop their pick-and-roll coverage down below the screen, plug the lane. And and so with Mike Smith and Eli Brooks as your two point guards, you're going to be faster. You've got better depth. And and Smith, to me, can be electrifying off the dribble. He, like He's going to be a star in the pick-and-roll game. And he's got deep range. So if you go underneath, he'll have a chance to, to be able to knock that shot down. So Michigan this year will always have five scores, five potential scores out there. And and then also when when you think about um, Eli Brooks, so, some of the some of the, the rumors coming out of Chrysler is that Eli Brooks on a lot of days during a lot of practices has been Michigan's best player. And so I, 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 um, I've heard great, great things about him. And that's what happens when you've got a senior that, that can see the, the finish line of their career. They're very focused. They've been through it. And, and I, I think that Eli Brooks is going to be a really, really key component. Interesting. So, I mean, we saw him step up his scoring and step up his shooting last year. Uh, so we, we have already witnessed him be able to take things to another level will he be able to take that that practice production that you're hearing about and show that on the court it will be very very interesting i mean if he can do that i mean if he if he takes his his game up a notch beyond where it was last year then as we talk about the big 10 race where you know a lot of people they're looking at iowa understandably looking at wisconsin understandably pointing to those teams being a cut above you got josh langford back at michigan state now so they're getting some buzz and some love in that regard. People talk about Michigan, but they don't talk about them in that realm. If if Eli Brooks is, you know, a consistent perimeter threat for, for Michigan and and you know, part of a, a good part of a floor general tandem, then yeah, then then you'll be able to start looking at Michigan and talking about Michigan in that. Uh, in that top three championship race mix. Now, again, I'm not saying that they're there yet. I want to see some things on the court too, uh, Tim, but it's definitely exciting and encouraging what we're hearing and what you're hearing coming out of coming out of practice. And so, which which brings me to the the question about another thing that you predicted that is coming true. You got this this bubble like this bubble like environment that's coming to to college basketball. And I, I wonder how much how beneficial? I mean, is there a benefit? Do you think there's going to be a benefit to that for Michigan or and just for college basketball teams in general? All right. So, so I I find this fascinating. So, when you think about playing in a pandemic, Michigan has three key advantages. I think um, number one, and and bear with me a second here. Let me let me develop this, Sam, because Juwan Howard 
as much as any coach in all of college basketball with his NBA background, he understands the rigors of a long NBA season that drags on, right? It, it starts at Halloween and goes until tax day, okay? And then the NBA finals aren't done, done until mid-June. So he's been through that, and he understands the term that all NBA fans loathe, and that's load management. Right. From 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 talking to Michigan players and coaches, the team is working hard. They're 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 getting stronger. They're getting more athletic. They're getting tons of shots up, but they have not been grinding. And and, and you know, the the skill development and all that, you can make that fun. Um, And so Juwan Howard is not wearing out his players. He's not beating them up mentally. These guys have to be very, very fragile from the standpoint of. Is this season going to even happen? They watch Wisconsin football. They, they watch football games being canceled. Numbers are spiking. The pandemic's in the second wave. The players are very fragile. And Juwan Howard, more than anybody else, understands the psychology of the long-term plan. They'll be ready to go on opening night whenever that is against whoever it is. But I think that over the course of the year where some coaches – are grinding and they've been wearing their players out. Jay, Jay Smith referenced that, that it's it's very important to keep your guys fresh and excited. And then one other thing that's going to help them a lot, they can go 11 deep. You know, if you count Nunez and Terrence Williams, they can play 11 if they wanted to. So that makes your, your scrimmages and your practices really fun and competitive and players love that. And then, then the third key, which I think is going to help Michigan, is they've got a bunch of veteran guys. Mm-hmm. This is a really mature team. And they know that the college students are all going to be leaving for Thanksgiving. And, and the college basketball players are not going anywhere. They won't be home for Turkey. They won't be home for Christmas. So they're going to be like living in a bubble like the NBA playoffs. You need a bunch of mature guys to be able to manage that. Yeah, it's going to be... <laughs> It's going to be interesting to to see as the you know as the season unfolds and uh, and you get a chance to have those guys just be in their own encapsulated environment. As much as that might, I mean, there's obviously a, a downside to a real downside, a real human downside to to this pandemic. But if you if you are getting to the trivial side and just talking about the athletic piece, the focus on your craft. I just can't imagine a a more concentrated environment that we've ever seen during a, co- a college basketball season for these guys. I mean, the, there are literally no distractions, literally no distractions for these guys. So I just think that we're going to see a high level of basketball once they, you know, once they get a few games under their belt because they, they just are going to be, everyone's going to be so locked in. But, but Tim, I, I, we can't get through this podcast without talking about a momentous sort of event in the Juwan Howard era. He's landed several top recruits. He's had some, he had a highly regarded recruiting class with Hunter Dickinson and Terrence Williams and, and, and Zeb Jack. That, that class was very highly rated. And this class in 21 was already highly rated as well. But the one thing that he did not have was a five-star piece. Isaiah Todd was in it for a minute, but he's obviously going on to the to the G League. But he landed a five-star that we talked about on the last podcast, a five-star that everyone expects to show up on a college campus, and a five-star who's fit. We spent a lot of time talking about as a as a sweet shooting wing on a roster that has some slashers and uh you know some you know traditional big man play, a guy who can just flat knock it down fits like a glove, and that is what the Michigan Wolverines and what Jawan Howard just landed and Caleb Houston. And I I was looking forward to this podcast to get your reaction to what was a titanic land for Jawan Howard. I think it's um I th- I think it's monumental and and it shows other five star recruits that that Michigan is now a destination for elite players who want to get to the NBA. And and you're you're so right that that Isaiah Livers is the best shooter on Michigan's team now, um, but he's going to be gone most likely next year, and so is Franz Wagner most likely. So that opens up minutes in in an NBA-style system in which players have the freedom to create. And and I, I kept watching 
Duncan Robinson during the NBA playoffs. And Juwan has that connection with Eric Spolstra and their staff. Rob Foders, their fine shooting coach. He's a Michigan guy. When, when you think about getting a player like Caleb Houston ready for the next level, I think that as much NBA Miami Heat basketball as Juwan has been watching, you're going to see them use Caleb a lot like Miami used Duncan Robinson, um, you know, in the pick and roll game as a screener. I remember my coach, Pat Riley, always saying that, that the best way if you want to get open is to set a great screen. Why? Well, if you set a great screen, you're going to cause a switch. Both guys are probably going to go to the screener or to the, to the ball. And that opens up the shooter. I think that Caleb Houston is going to be a really big success in Ann Arbor. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I talked to John Beeline about recently was Duncan and how Miami uses them. And he said, you know, we, we did things with, with, with Duncan to get him free, but not like they do at Miami. And he says, you know, Sam, you got to remember, I mean, think about the guys that we had, you mean, think about the guys we had on that, on that team that were higher in the, uh, in the pecking order offensively, so to speak. But the difference with, with Caleb Houston and why, why you are so spot on is, look, this is a five-star profile coming in the door. You are going to run offense for Caleb Houston. I mean, that, there's just no question that he is going to be one of the guys at the very top of the, of the food chain when it comes to uh, touches on the offensive end. So the, it makes sense what you're saying, Tim, about all the things that they do with Duncan at Miami, that to see Michigan do many of those same things because of the connection between Juwan and Miami, and because yeah, it makes sense. I mean, because I know what people are gonna say. Well, Michigan didn't do that with with Duncan when he was here. It was a different dynamic at play at that time. Duncan was like maybe the, you know, maybe the fourth option, third or fourth option on that team. That's not gonna be the life that that Caleb Houston experiences in in uh, in Ann Arbor. No, I think that Caleb Houston can become a better athlete. And John Sanderson, who is among the best strength and conditioning coaches in the country, will help him a great deal. Because if you want to play a Duncan Robinson style, you have to be yeah. in unbelievable condition because he sprints off those screens mm -hmm. and you very seldom see him um, get tired. And and if, if, you, if you talk to Michigan fans, hey, and ask them the question, what is the biggest improvement in Duncan Robinson. If they say shooting, it's not true. <laughs> right. His ability to put the ball on the yeah. floor has improved immensely, but his conditioning is better than I've ever seen from him. Well, I remember when Duncan was here, Tim, and we used to talk about it, and I, I would say that it would be great. Now, again, it, this, is, this is at the time, and understanding that he was not the number one option or even a number two option for them offensively. But I said, you know, if he ever gets in a situation where a team – plays him the way that the Pacers used to play Reggie Miller. Now, not saying at the time that Duncan Robinson was ever going to be that. I mean, Reggie Miller is one of the all-time greats, but I'm talking about usage. And, Tim, you just nailed it. When Reggie Miller played, you know what was phenomenal? It was like he ran a track meet every time down the floor. In the half court, Reggie Miller was running full speed off screens left and right. I mean, it was two, three. It didn't matter how many. He might run off two, three, four screens in one possession to get him free, right? But And it was every time down the floor. And think about defending that, but he was such a good shooter that you had to do that to get him those looks. And that's what you see. And this is a great thing about Miami. You got to give him a lot of credit. They do that with Duncan. They do that with Duncan. They get him, they get him looks like that, and he's shown that they should by knocking him down. And I agree with you. I expect for Michigan to do some of those same kinds of things with Caleb, in addition to the fact, hey, man, you got a, you got a guy like Hunter Dickinson. You remember back in the day, I talked about this with Brian Snow. You'll appreciate this as a as a Big Ten guy. Remember the days of Greg Oden and John Diebler down at Ohio yes, State? Yes, I mean, yes, man. Yes. Yeah, man. It's gonna, Caleb Houston's going to get some looks from the perimeter when you play with a, with a big man like Hunter Dickinson. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm anxious to see the evolution. And and who knows what, you know, I, I wouldn't be shocked if, if other things happen to this roster. There, there's so much flexibility with transfer rules and everything. Um, I just, I'm so impressed with Juwan as a recruiter. Yeah, number one recruiting class in the country right now, the Wolverines have, and uh, maybe, maybe they'll add to it. They probably will have to add to it in order to hold on to that number one spot. But even if they don't, Tim, you, you nailed it. It is a, I mean, Juwan had already landed some really key recruits, but to get that five-star top 10 guy, 
to show other five-star top 10 guys, five-star top 25 guys that, hey, this is the place to go. I can tell you this on the way out, Tim. I know it got some attention. I know that I know that Chet Holmgren was uh, was a little more responsive here of late, right? Uh, you got Caleb Hugh, mm-hmm. you got uh, Charles Bediaco's AAU teammate on the roster now too. I know his attention has been curiosity has been peaked a little more as well. So, hey man, maybe this can be a a domino effect of sorts. We'll have to wait to see. How many guys are we going to have on our team? It's going to be like the, the Tigers' 25-man roster. <laughs> We've got too, many, too much talent. Uh-oh. I guess that's a good problem to have. Yeah, it is, Tim. A lot of great conversation on this podcast, as always, folks. If you like the Michigan Basketball Insider, be sure to tell all your friends about it. Uh, wherever they get their podcasts, Google, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, you name it, they can find this podcast. Be sure to rate it. Be sure to review it so we can keep it going strong. And next week, we're going to catch up with a great guest, one of the all-time greats here in the state of Michigan at the, and at the University of Michigan, and Eric Turner. So set your calendar, set your reminders, because the Michigan Basketball Insider got to be back next week with some more great content. Thanks for listening to the Michigan Basketball Insider. Should you ever set foot outside of the hotel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan.